Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. If you haven't already, become a subscriber, TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. And uh, by the way, you can find this podcast at Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Google Play. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can find this podcast. As always, we've got Ishmael Johnson in the house. Ish, how you doing, man? Yo, what's up? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Uh... Man, yeah, it's still trying to get into off-season mode a little bit mm-hmm. and, and trying to transition over to basketball mode a little bit, too, trying to catch up on everything that's happened. That's that's always the weird thing about college basketball is that you just kind of jump into it, like, midway. Right. Because you can't, like, it's hard to, like, pay attention fully to both in November and December. Yeah. And then you jump in and it's like, okay, well, we're, like, in the conference play right now, yeah. right? Like, like wait a minute, I, I totally missed, wait, TC's good again? Like, <laughs> like, Baylor's number one in the country? Like, what's good? going on here Mm -hmm. it it definitely takes a little bit of time but uh but this week is super bowl week so we're still on football mode here uh so obviously uh the kansas city chiefs plan to play against the san francisco 49ers in the super bowl is do you have super bowl plans yet uh not really i mean probably keep it low-key um don't really have i didn't really commit to anything because obviously the titans were in the (laughs) championship so like my plans were up in the air from the very beginning so i haven't i never committed to anything and right now it's probably just gonna be watching it with the family maybe hey i mean there's there's nothing better than that honestly man like uh i'll I'll tell you what that's one of the nice things about being a bears fan is that like i never have to worry i never (laughs) have to like think that my plans could change or that i need to do anything else like i know the second the season starts like I can start planning for the Super Bowl. I, I won't have to be invested in any way. Like, yeah. it's a, But it's going to be a fun game. So there are actually four players who played at Texas colleges who are gonna who are on active rosters for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Can you name all four? Let's see. Uh, one of them is obviously Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. Um, let's see. One, one should be pretty, uh, on the easier side. College? Or is, is, is yeah, it, just okay. college players. Just college so, like, players. we're not going to shout out my boy Solomon Thomas, forget. for example. Yeah, right. Um, God, I'm going to forget an easy one. Um, I'll tell you how how little I know about the 49ers roster. I was about to say Marquise Goodwin. Uh, he, he is on the roster, but on injured reserve. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he's he was still I, there. I couldn't he's remember if there. he was still there or not. Um, but, um, but on injured reserve. Okay. Yeah, so not counting him. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> Okay, uh, for for one of these, think wide receivers. I'm going to Google one just to make sure because I cannot remember. <laughs> uh, nope, that's not it. Uh, think God. college is in this city. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, um, I can't, I, I'm losing the name I got, but, but you're going to say it. I'm going to hate myself. Emmanuel Sanders. Yep. <sighs> yeah. SMU's, uh, SMU zone. Uh, the other two, one is a defensive back from Texas A&M. It's, it's actually a very random defensive back from Texas A&M. plays for the Chiefs. Armani Watts. Yeah. was not going <laughs> to, did not Watts know Armani Watts was on the Chiefs. Ring, <laughs> and then on the other side, uh, running back Jeff Wilson. 
from North Texas. Sure, okay. He's on the active roster for the 49ers I now. I completely forgot Emmanuel Sanders is on the 49ers. <laughs> I know. I mean, I mean, to be fair, uh, I'm sure you watched the NFC Championship game. and Every, every, every single play was like, who's that on the offense? Yeah, if it well, wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo it was or, or, uh, or uh, Kittle, yeah. I was just like, that, who's that? I have no idea who that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, ultimately, like you also probably didn't notice him because – they didn't really throw any passes. Also true. Yeah. You know, like, I know Raheem Mostert now. Right. Didn't really know him before. I definitely <laughs> right. know him now. But, uh, but yeah, Emmanuel Sanders playing wide receiver for them. And then, again, for the, uh, for the 49ers, Jeff Wilson, who, yeah, when you have Raheem Mostert going like that, probably not going to get in the game. Mm-hmm. And then Armani Watts on the Kansas City Chiefs side. Uh, look, it's been a long time since a quarterback who played college football in Texas has played in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. What do you think Patrick Mahomes is going to do in this game? Man, oh, it's it's hard to know. It's hard to know because you know the one thing the Chiefs have done in the playoffs that's been most impressive is obviously they go down, yeah, and then they absolutely kick into gear. But this is a team you can't go down against. You can't go down against the 49ers. Like the one thing that both the Titans and the Texans. Well, let me let me back up a little bit. When the Texans when the Texans went up, uh, was it twenty four? Right, they went up twenty four points. Twenty four zero. The thing that was always lingering there was that the Texans' defense wasn't good. Right. Obviously, I didn't think the offense would get shut out, but obviously, like the Chiefs' offense was going to kick into gear uh, in some way because the Texans' defense was not good. Yeah. Against the Titans, Titans' defense is better, but obviously, their offense could not keep up with when Kansas City finally got going. Right. San Francisco's defense is better than both. Yeah, and by a lot. By a lot. And it's not close. And the thing that they're good at is, I think, the thing that you need to be good at to beat the Chiefs. When the, What the Titans did against the Chiefs was they they basically sold out the pass rush. They're like, we're not going to be able to get to him. Mm-hmm. We're going to rush three. We're going to drop eight. We're going to mix things up with man, some zone here and there. Uh, or actually, mainly, mainly sticking to man because Patrick Mahomes can pick up our zone. Right. Um. The 49ers, they can afford to do that. They can afford they have uh Buckner and they have Bosa. Like two sure. insane pass rushers who they don't need to blitz anyone to send. And then obviously they have Richard Sherman, who sure you can say whatever you want about him being a cover three specialist. The point is when he's on the field, you don't have to worry about an entire side of of the of right. the field. And so when he's in that cover three scheme, you can just say, Cool, the left side's shut down, or right. at least the left side's secure for the most part. And that's what you kind of need to do because if you if you can't get to Pat Mahomes and you rush three or four, he's going to pick apart the he's going to wait for a seam to open up anywhere. And if you rush anybody, if you rush five, rush six, blitz uh, on a blitz, he's going to find a quick read and just get the ball out. And so I don't know exactly, and it's kind of it, that's what makes this matchup more intriguing and why I hoped it was the Forty ers instead of the Packers because. I thought the 49ers have the formula to be able to match up against the Chiefs offense. Right, right. No, I'm I'm real curious to see. I mean, obviously Mahomes is just that kind of player. He's insane. Right? Like as a, like, as a Titans fan, there was a there was a, there was a new uh, like a newfound level of helplessness when like you're watching <laughs> I, I know exactly like, what you mean. When you're watching an offense where you're just like I don't know what they should do. Like usually when you're when you're frustrated with your team, you're like blitz or ah, uh, you know, right. why are you dropping in the coverage? And I'm like they're doing everything I would suggest that they would do and it does not matter. <laughs> Their players are just not good enough. Right. It, exactly. Know, and, and that's not that's not a knock No, 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 that is a Pat Mahomes thing. Yeah. And uh, no, I mean, I mean, I'll tell you what, man. As as a Bears fan, that that's how it feels playing against Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, just you know that he's gonna make a couple throws every single game where it's just like, 
what are we doing here? What are you like, supposed like, to do? Yeah. Like, how can we do this? We have the best defense in the NFL, and it just does not matter. It doesn't now, matter. And now you have Pat Mahomes, who's like another level of that. Right. He, he's like he's like Aaron Rodgers if he like had an even stronger arm. Right. <laughs> he's Aaron Rodgers if the Packers made an offense that went around Aaron Rodgers. Right. <laughs> like, right. like what if Andy Reid? Uh, I mean, basically Andy Reid's roster construction was like, yeah, just give me the fast guys. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> All of them. All of <laughs> they them. went and got Nicole Hardman because they weren't sure about Tyreek Hill's status, and so right. they went and got another fast guy, and now they have both, and so it's just like, oh, we just have more fast guys on the team, and it, um, it's it's insane, and it's it's one of the best things about football right now. Yeah. Okay. We're a couple days out still. Yeah. But right now. What's your prediction for the game? Oh man, I think Chiefs. I think it's the Chiefs, because um, I just think their defense makes a few more plays. Like that's going to be the obviously the big matchup right. is the Forty ers offense versus the Chiefs defense. I think their defense just makes enough plays, and I don't know if Garoppolo can. Is is I, they're going to have to open it up obviously more than they did or they needed to in the NFC Championship, and I just don't feel confident with Garoppolo doing that. Um, I think Chiefs. I'm going to say for a score, let's go 31-24. Okay, okay. So, look, Patrick Mahomes is not going to be as good as he has been the entire playoffs no, in this no. game. I mean, this is by far the best defense he's got against. Yes. Uh, in fact, during the playoffs, eight touchdown throws, zero interceptions. Right. That that doesn't just happen. No. Nope. His QBR was over 90 in both games. Mm-hmm. That's just, come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, I expect Patrick Mahomes to turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. Probably just once, but Maybe you know, I, I, th- I think that it'll turn it over. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's what it comes down to: is that the 49ers have to score points. Yeah, like and, and not only that, they have to score points with pace. Yes, and I think that they've proven that they can sort of run the ball effectively. But but to be honest, to keep up with the Chiefs, you have to air it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is that I think that the Chiefs are better prepared to deal with a one-dimensional offense than perhaps the Packers were last week. Right. You know, and, and I think that up front, they're just a little bit different than what the Packers are right now. And so, for me, yeah, I, I think that the Chiefs are the team. I think that, you know, they have one of the most special quarterbacks of all time. They've got an offense that's humming at the right level. The thing I love about this game, too, is that no matter what happens, it's going to be just a fantastic storyline mm-hmm. because it's either Kyle Shanahan gets his uh, redemption, it's Andy Reid finally gets his, yes, it's Patrick Mahomes finally, you it's know, a coronation for yeah, the new a, generation, basically. right? Like yeah. he, it's his league mm-hmm. if he if he wins this. Like no matter what, there's going to be something awesome to talk about, and, and like the 49ers, it can still be their league, mm-hmm. you know, and and like we could see. Obviously, it's always too early to say like we could see this forever because right. we always say that, and then you know, sure. it, it doesn't happen. But it's hard. It's hard, <laughs> right? It's really, really hard to have sustained success. But like these are the two franchises that are like right now in the NFL. I think that they are functioning at a different level than everybody else. Sure. Um, just in terms of what they have now, what they can grow to, how young all of their talent is. Really, mm-hmm. I mean. Again, Again, you know, there are individual players on San Francisco that are going to age out. But, like, Bosa's young. uh, Buckner's young. Garoppolo's young. uh, You know, we'll see whether sort of Mostert is their guide heading forward or or whether they just kind of fit some guys in there. But they're all young. Mm -hmm. I I mean, this is – these are teams that could be around for the next five to seven years. Yeah. And, And like, the one one thing I will say is, like, 
Oh, oh, I got two things to say. Um, one is the Chiefs can't have that slow start. Right. Right. They can't go right. down 24. They, I don't even think they can go down 14 because the 49ers right. defense is good enough to maybe not stop them, but to give them an, give the offense enough leeway. To slow them down. Right. To give them enough leeway to where they're not rattling off 30 unanswered or something. But also, you mentioned the age and yeah. the age of the quarterbacks and the age of the teams. I mean, we mentioned Kyle Shanahan, young guy. Yeah. Right? 40 yeah. years old. This surprised me. Andy Reid's been around forever. Yeah. Without looking it up. How old is Andy Reid? Ooh, okay, so I want to say that he I'm trying to think. I'm I'm honest. Uh so he was with the Eagles forever. Mm-hmm. He obviously came to the Chiefs. I want to say he's 58. 61. 61. Okay. But okay. still. I mean, I, I guess low because you were Right, that. right. And so, like, he's been around forever. Yeah. Right? For, at least yeah. for our generation. He Let me see. He started in 99. Yeah. With the, with the, with the Eagles. Wow. <laughs> right, exactly. I didn't even and he's only, 60, he's only 61. Yeah. Like, he could be around, theoretically, for another good five seasons. Yeah. Well, and, and, the and at least too, probably through Pat. I, I assume that he would want to at least be there through Pat Mahomes' career. Or at least a good chunk of Pat Mahomes' his career. prime, at least. Right, right. And, I mean, like you said, like this, the rosters and the front offices, yeah. like John Lynch is in place in San Francisco, right. and he's turned them around. Like, there's so Which much. It's still kind of shocking to me. I know that, that he's, I know, right, that John Lynch is GM. But, like, everything from the on-field product to the staffs to the yeah. front office, like, everything about these, both these franchises is set. Which isn't something you usually see. Yeah. You usually see, like, the older coach, the right. veteran GM or something. But, right. I mean, every top to bottom, this is, like, prime age for everyone right, involved. Right, right. No, this could be the first of, of several great seasons for both these teams. For sure. But, uh and by the way, I did find the stat. It's even more shocking than, than you think it is. Patrick Mahomes is the first quarterback who played both high school and college uh, football in Texas. Yeah. Ever. Man. Wow. Ever. That's wild. Yeah. Obviously, you've got like Drew Brees, you've got Nick Fulton. Those guys didn't play in Texas. Right. That's, and I guess, I mean, like, he's, I mean, you mentioned to play in the Super Bowl, like, because you right. have guys like Garrett Gilbert, who has a ring, right. but right. he didn't play. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's. It's pretty insane, man. That is wild. That's, that's pretty as uh, many as many quarterbacks, and it's to start by the way, not just oh for sure, for sure. Yeah, but, but yeah, I get what you mean. Okay, man. so well, let's get back to college football, though. Mm-hmm. So, um, two coordinator hires uh, were made over the the last week. Uh, one one confirmed, one sort of in the works, according to Football Scoop. Uh, the first one I want to talk about. Baylor reportedly, or actually not reportedly, they have hired Larry Fedora mm-hmm. as their new offense coordinator. Yes. So for me, I was a little, uh, not surprised, but I was kind of encouraged, honestly, mm-hmm. by, by this hire. Because I was curious whether Dave Aranda was going to go the Kirby Smart route mm-hmm. and be the, we're going to control the dang clock. Honestly, that's kind of what ruled it, too. Right. You know, I mean, and, and I was curious if he was going to go Run that the dang direction. ball. Right. But instead, he hired one of the more dynamic offensive minds in college football. Easily. And, uh, I mean, what, what do you think about that? I mean, were you surprised by that? I guess... You know, I guess I was, I guess I wasn't and I was. Like, yeah. I was in the sense that, obviously, he's a defensive guy, and I, I expected naturally for him to revert to his instincts, right? Right. Control, the, like you said, control the clock, give the defense as much rest as they need. That way, we, you know, we get a 10 nothing lead, we can sit on it and battle out for a 21-10 to th- 10 win or 21-7 to 7 win. Right. 
But I also remember, I mean, he comes from a background of a lot of different coaches. Yep. Right? He comes from that Matt Wells tree. He comes from – or not even uh, Gary Anderson, but Matt Wells was the coordinator then. Right. Um, he comes from, obviously, from Joe Brady and Emsinger this year at LSU. He coached under Paul Christ, obviously, right. in that more traditional uh, uh, pro-style uh, smash-mouth offense. Like, he's come from a lot of different places. Well, and, and the two that you didn't even mention, he was a grad assistant under Mike Leach. Yeah. And he was linebacker's coach under Art Bryles at Houston. Right. So, you and know, so he's, he's used he's, to this. Yeah, he's used to this. And I guess he, I mean, coaching in the state, like, yeah. he knows, you know, this is probably how I get the most out of this talent in the state. If he takes, like, if he takes the, I'm trying to think, if he takes the Wisconsin job, right, right? he probably runs something more like Paul Christ. Sure. But I admire the fact that he said, you know what? I'm familiar with this state. I'm familiar with the high school talent in the state. I'm familiar with where, with where Baylor is right now. And probably more, yes, Mount Rule ran a smash mouth style, but he also had a lot of RPO. He also yeah. had a lot of, right, yeah. you know. We think, and they were building even more towards Right, exactly. And I think he looked at the talent on the roster and was like, okay, this is something a little more, I, I could stretch this talent on the roster right now into what Larry Fedora is known for, which is, you know, opening it. I don't want to say it's pure air raid, right? He has more yeah. of some balance in there, but it, he is, it is a, a, a branch off that. Right. Well, and and I'm curious, too, because, man, I'll tell you what. I really like the staff that Baylor's putting together. Yeah, I do, too. Because, I mean, you just go up and down the thing, right? So you got Larry Fedora, mm-hmm. former head coach. Ron Roberts, former FCS head coach. Uh, you've got Brian Stewart, cornerbacks coach. Used to be defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. You got uh, Jorge Munoz, was considered uh, Joe Brady's right-hand man and main co- uh, collaborator at LSU. There was some talk that he could actually potentially take over that passing game coordinator role at LSU, but but Baylor nabbed him to do the same thing now. Uh, Joey McGuire, Sean Bell, obviously guys who have been around the state for a long time. Mm-hmm. Dennis Johnson was LSU's defensive line coach before he actually had an injury last year, I guess, and, and sat out like last year and, and didn't coach on field. But like, this is an experienced group. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with a lot of pedigree, a lot of backgrounds, like, I mean, this is as good a staff, I feel like, as Baylor's ever had. Yeah. No, he, I mean, like top to bottom, I mean, you can definitely see he's using his connections. I mean, like, you know, this is... The thing I the thing I think I underestimated was that he's a this is a power five coordinator. Yeah. Like with a lot of power five connections and right. with like top level positions and top level top level personalities and coaches, right? Well, well sure. And and I'm glad that you mentioned that because again, we we can talk about like again, he was roommates with Tom Herman. He right. coached with Matt Wells. Like he mm-hmm. is a guy who because he's coached everywhere, right? Because yeah. there are a lot of guys who you know, they, they coached at LSU their whole life. They're Louisiana guys. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw that a little with Frank Wilson, right? Like, I right. Mean, he knew his Louisiana guys. Once it kind of, once we got past that, it was a little harder to, to figure out. You know, we've seen that with guys in Texas who know they're Texas guys. Once they start to run out, like, they don't know where to go. But because, you know, Dave Aranda's coached in California, Utah, <laughs> uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, and, and Texas. Yeah. Like, he's pulling from all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, no, I mean, I, I think that this hire has been really interesting. Um, you know, and look, <laughs> I think Dave Rand is still learning how to be a face of the program. Oh, for sure. I think he sure. still looks uh, quite uncomfortable <laughs> when he speaks publicly. Right. But, but then again, I, here's, here's the thing I'm interested in. Yeah. Is you – obviously he hires Larry Fedora. Yeah. Knowing that next year if Baylor wins oh, yeah. seven, eight games and the offense then is top – the 40 yeah. he's out right yeah. he knows that no he wants to be a head coach again right so i feel like dave aranda i feel like that's more uh a positive as far as hiring goes saying that 
Yeah, and like this isn't for like I'm not. He's there for the long haul, but like yeah. obviously he knows like I just need something that works. Right, and like I need, he's he's willing to deal with the pros and cons of hiring somebody like Fedor, knowing that hey, he's probably out after a year. But I also know where Baylor is as a program, and they're ready to win now. Right, and so even if that doesn't necessarily come in the form of like making the playoff next year, sure. like it sets the program right by saying like let's get this guy who knows what he's doing right now and who has head coaching experience as well to help me kind of acclimate and maybe at times to pass the you know the shine off to when I don't want to talk or <laughs> right. when I don't necessarily feel comfortable I have Larry Fedora there to kind of take over some of that. Well, and one thing that I'll especially say is that look, I'm fairly confident that that LSU could have found an on-field role for Jorge Munoz. Yeah. You know, like, I, I'm fairly confident that they would have offered him something. Maybe it's receivers coach, maybe it's tight end. I, they'll, they could have fi- found something for him if they mm-hmm. wanted to. Uh, again, he ha- he hasn't been the most outward guy, uh, talking about Dave Aranda. Like, mm-hmm. he's not the most vocal, out there, you know, all that sort of stuff. Right. But when you look at the staff he's assembling, and, and again, like, Dennis Johnson, the defensive line coach, they probably would have tried to find a spot at LSU for this uh, for him on staff, right? Um, but when you look at what Dave Rand is doing, it's clear that other coaches really want to coach with him. Yeah, you know that that's I think one of the biggest things you can say is like Larry Fedora could have found an OC job somewhere. Yeah, you know, are you kidding? Like, I mean, if he really could have found potentially a higher end OC job, mm-hmm. you know, but but I think that he sees the fit that's possible here defensively. I mean, again, when you talk about guys who have coached in the NFL, when you talk about guys who have coached at LSU. Like, I mean, there there were a lot of other options for these guys. The fact that these guys want to coach with him, and especially guys who have worked under him before, right. want to come back and coach with him even more. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a testament. And again, we'll, we'll see how it works. There's no guarantee that any of this is going to work, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's that's the funny thing about coaching. Sure. Like you can make all the right hires, say all the right things, and it might not work. But, um, but I mean, I think it is a good sign that even though he hasn't been the most vocally out there, that guys want to coach with Dave Aranda. And I mm-hmm. think, again, having a guy like Joe McGuire on staff to be more of the vocal face of the program at times, right. you know, having a guy like uh, Larry Fedora, who has been the face of a program, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that that's obviously a good sign for what Baylor wants to do. I think what will, I mean, this is kind of more for <clears throat> us or, or specifically us too and like us here at Dave Campbell's is like yeah. the way Matt Rule was able to command coaching school yeah during his speech and during his during his lectures like that's something that not every coach can do no and i don't expect dave aranda to go in there immediately and like lead a lecture right for sure but i do that's always a good litmus test to see what kind of personality are you dealing with right? right because in a way coaching school is the most intimidating and the most lax environment at the same time right because you're there trying to obviously Show give off your personality to a bunch of coaches who you want to have in your in your corner when you're recruiting for sure, and you want to be in good graces with. Which obviously Matt Rule, we did a story on it. How he was he became the most trustworthy dude, <laughs> right? In, in like in a matter of a few uh, a few years. But it's also like again, this, that's also a room full of guys who just want to talk ball. Yeah. And who just want to talk about what they do for a living. And so Matt Rule was able to kind of gravitate and balance that where it was like, oh, these are just dudes who want to talk about ball and want to talk about uh, the profession. Right. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting scene for Dave Aranda, who comes in, who's going to be coming in with a lot of hype and a lot of cash. Hey, people can be, oh, that's the new Baylor coach. Oh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> right. is he going to walk, you know, is he going to see that and be like, uh, calm down. I'm just I'm just I'm just right. me. Or is he going to walk around, you know, 
kind of knowing that, and right. uh, that, that, that's an environment I'm curious to see. Well, and, and the one thing that I'll say that I think portends well for that is that, I mean, you talk about during his intro press conference, you talk about even during the videos that they put out before he was ever introduced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he mentioned the Texas High School Coaches Association. Yes, yes. He, he, he said all of those things. Like, I mean, it's clear that David Wetzel and Joey McGuire got in his ear and was like, this is what you have to say. Yeah right now here you and go. then you got to go to this school and then you got to go down to the executive meeting mm-hmm. and that's what you got to do on your first day as being the head coach at, at this school right so it seems like uh that aranda has been in the same way as rule uh you know happy to learn mm-hmm. and 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 to lean on those guys so uh i'm curious to see what happens man i mean it's it's only been like two weeks at this point you right. know it's it's still it's still real early but um but you know i i really like the staff they're putting together on the other side uh well, not on the other side. That makes it sound like I'm criticizing. That's not what I'm saying. UTSA uh, mm-hmm. has reportedly found their new def- defensive coordinator. It's not official. Okay. Uh, according to Football Scoop, the contract is not officially signed as yet. So none of this is official as yet. So mm-hmm. things, you know, things remain fluid. But uh, it sounds like uh, Jeff Trailer is bringing on an experienced defensive coordinator to lead his staff on the defensive side. Tyrone Nix, who most recently served as linebackers coach at Ole Miss under Matt Luke, but has also been a defensive coordinator at Ole Miss, South Carolina. Uh, I know that he was at uh, was it Southern Miss, I think, was was the school that he went to. He rose up to head coach mm-hmm. or to defensive coordinator. coordinator in just a few years. Yeah. Um, so so what's kind of funny is that you look at his staff, mm-hmm. he's going real young. Yes. He's going real young. Uh, raw prospects, you know, guys who who haven't necessarily coached at this level before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the guys on his staff were analysts at Arkansas, mm-hmm. um, and were grad assistants even and stuff like that. He brought in a couple guys actually from McNeese State as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, interesting guys, but but like he's gotten really young with this staff. Uh, obviously, Nick's is a little bit more seasoned. Yeah. You know, he's he's not old. I mean, he's still in his forties only, mm-hmm. but he's a guy who's you know, been a coordinator for 15 years at right. this point, basically. And I think that actually, when you look at this staff, I mean, again, you you have really highly touted coaches. Like, Barry Loney's a big-time coach. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a guy that Arkansas wanted to keep. He stayed over when uh, when they transitioned from Brett, Me- Brett Bielema, excuse me, to Chad Morris mm-hmm. because he was so highly uh, regarded. Um, but, you know, a lot of these guys, again, were analysts, were grad assistants, uh, very, very young coaches. I mean, you have a guy like Will Stein, who obviously yeah. was what offensive coordinator at Lake Travis last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a young staff. Yeah, it's a real it's it's kind of interesting, right? Because in a way, one, in a way, Jeff Trailer's kind of leaning on with keeping a lot of the Arkansas guys, especially for sure. He's leaning like, no, we had something good going. Right. Right. I, it right. might not have worked at Arkansas, but so, we'll tra- we can translate it to something more local and in-state. We had something good going with connections, with uh, 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 recruiting and things of that nature. And typically when you go with a young staff, I feel like you are leaning more towards recruiting. Yeah. And like, uh, not to say like, you know, young guys can't be analytical or that older guys for can't sure, recruit. Sure. But typically when you see you're looking for the relation right the yeah. relation aspect of it is like all right here's um we're recruiting a lot of gen z players so let's get millennial let's get somebody who's closer to their generation right sure. um but i and this this staff has been really interesting because wilson did a little bit of both yeah he hired young on or, or young on defensive uh defensive when he would when he hired pete golding right and then he hired a lot of 
older guys on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Frank Selfo, obviously, with um, I'm forgetting the other offensive coordinator. Al Borges. Al Borges. So very, very experienced on that side. And I don't know. I'm really interested to see because Jeff Trailer is young as a college coach still. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't. I, don't, it's, I I'm. A lot of this is still wait and see. Right. Just like when the hire was made, it was like, okay, what kind of offense are they running? What defense are they running? And now it's still, they've made the hires, and I'm still like, uh, it's still kind of wait and see. Yeah, it's still a little weird, because there's nobody proven, really, on that staff, other than, again, Lenny as an assistant coach. Yeah. You know, we'll see as a coordinator. He's never been a coordinator before. Um, you know, the the thing that's kind of interesting, too, is that it's very, very early, obviously. I mean, he's only been coached for, you know, a month, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the recruiting still isn't quite there for this class as yet. Um, and you never can tell with the first class. I mean, that's sure. not obviously what this is about. And they've got a really small class right now, too. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're 12th in Conference USA. Like, I think that it is going to be interesting when you head forward to 2021 and 2022. Like, you, whatever you want to say about what Chad Morris was doing, and, like, I think he did a good job on the recruiting trail in terms of finding guys, too, and getting offers out quick and mm-hmm. identifying talent and all that. But, it's still different recruiting guys to the SEC to Arkansas. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm curious to see because, like, you talk about uh, Jeff Trailer. Uh, I think he was at SMU for a year before they moved over to Arkansas. Yes. I think it was only a year. So he's primarily recruited at Texas and Arkansas. Mm-hmm. You know, two places that I don't want to say recruit themselves because they don't, I mean, right. by any means, but where you have a lot of advantages mm-hmm. in recruiting. Sure. And, like, you can win a recruiter of the year at Texas. It's a lot harder to win a recruiter of the year at UTSA. And um, and so I'm curious to see, right, because our criticism in a lot of cases of Frank Wilson was that there were a lot of sort of recruiting staffers and recruiting guys mm-hmm. uh, among the assistants and not a whole lot of on-field, uh, you know, masterminds. Right. Uh, now, at the same time, again, we don't know a ton about these guys because we haven't seen them be assistant coaches before. I mean, for for what we know, I mean, like, Lunny and Will Stein, I mean, Will Stein, obviously, you know, did some good things at Lake Travis, learned mm-hmm. under Hank Carter. Like, you know, I'm sure that there are a lot of guys in this room who absolutely know what they're talking about. But sure. you still are working with a staff that, uh, that again, you want to be recruiters first mm-hmm. and coaches second. Sure. And and Trailer was pretty open about that in his opening presser, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, the other thing, the interesting part about these hires is, like, maybe – you know, maybe there is a lot of player development that we're not seeing because of where UTSA's roster is right now, mm-hmm. right? What's the thing we've complained about UTSA? It's been the X's and O's and the player development, right? right? right. And so maybe, like, you know, we don't see it because, you know, a lot of these guys are still very young in their college coaching career. Some of them starting out in their college yeah. coaching career. But I think that's where I would probably lean on Jeff Trailer's instincts as a coach, knowing how to knowing how to put together a staff. I think... He knows something about these guys' player development chops that, you know, obviously we're not seeing right now that maybe we will see because of where UTSA is as a program. When Frank Wilson was coming in, UTSA wasn't a name that you heard about in the high schools. It wasn't a name that was you heard about on the recruiting trail. And so now that they are that, obviously somebody like Trailer is a proven recruiter of itself, so he can keep that. He can sustain that. But you would also imagine that, sure, a lot of these names, a lot of these guys have to have that natural development ability and acumen to take the current talent they have now yeah yeah and and that's going to be important Mm -hmm. i mean you need to see that happen yeah because again most of these guys who came from arkansas were not 
assistant, so they're not necessarily right on the field being responsible for the development. Sure. We didn't necessarily see the development in Arkansas, right? right? I mean, that, that yeah. I think that's definitely a big thing that became an issue. Now, uh, developing to the level that you need to compete in the SEC West versus in Conference USA aren't necessarily the same thing either. Obviously, yeah. you know. But uh, but I am going to be curious to see how they handle that, mm-hmm. and uh, because again, I mean, I don't. Th- I said this when the hire happened. I don't think that Frank Wilson's biggest issue was that he couldn't recruit well. Right, know, right. I think that he did a good job. He didn't do. I don't think a great job. I don't think he always did as good a job as... Especially after that first year, maybe the first right. two years. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that there is room to grow in recruiting. Now, yeah. I think that we all know that the biggest part of it is because UTSA's facilities still look like high school facilities. Sure. And that's something that will change in the next year or two, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, again, I'm just curious to see now, like... When we when we see the uh, the Roadrunners take the field for their first game, ugh, not not their first game, we're gonna learn nothing about, about watching maybe their them second game. <laughs> when we go watch them in their second game against the Texas State Bobcats, yes, what are we gonna see? And and I think that based on these hires, it's even hard to know at this point because you know it's a defensive coordinator who hasn't been a defensive coordinator in like four years at this point, and then it's a an offensive coordinator who's been a tight ends coach basically his whole career. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, but but obviously, I mean, Jeff Trailer is also sort of an elite culture builder. That's been a big part of his his whole story, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's got guys who, who clearly buy in. Sure. You know, I mean, these guys were with him during his introductory press conference. Yeah. You know, a lot of, like, four or five of these guys were like, let me sign the paperwork today mm-hmm. after, you know, and let me get on the road recruiting. 100%. And so I'll be curious to see, you know, is that sort of championship culture something that that can be built there? You know, and I think that is something where, um, at least at this point, I believe that Jeff Trailer has shown more in the ability to build it than Frank Wilson did before. Um, now, again, he's a head coach again. You know, this is the first time at the college level. It's a lot different doing it with eighty-five guys who are on scholarship who are you know eighteen to twenty-three than it is to do it with high school kids who grew up wanting to play at Gilmer. Right. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. I don't know. I'm excited to see about the staff. Uh, but anyway, anyway, that's all from us this week. Uh, as always, you can follow us, textfootball.com. If you aren't a subscriber already, textfootball.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell Text Football. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. I got some interviews to do. We'll have some stories coming out in the next couple of weeks. All right, Ish. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and we will talk to you guys again next week.